Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie. Thanks, thanks to my uh, my good friend Billy Bratcher for uh, doing that song for us and uh, performing it. Uh, we've got an anniversary coming up here, I think, uh, in another couple of months. Sometime, uh, I think, in April will be our first year here at WDEV. Looking forward to that. So, again, thanks to uh, all of our listeners out there. And, of course, thanks to our sponsors to help, help this program get on the air. Casella Waste Systems, Casella.com, Zero Sort Recycling, Reliable Service, Competitive Pricing. Give them a call. Jolly convenience stores. Those creamies will be on there on the on the stands pretty soon. Maybe I'm pushing it. It's a very cold day today, but they've always got a smile whether they're wearing a mask or not. And Milne Travel, American Express, been doing that since 1975. MilneTravel.com. I want to remind you that uh, past episodes of Travels with Charlie, you can hear them on WDEVRadio.com. You can also see past episodes of our Video series, those are on the website as well, wdevradio.com. And if you have any comments or thoughts or topics, uh, anything you'd like to hear discussed here on Travels with Charlie, you can simply email me directly, cpapilloradio at gmail.com. Okay, today's guest, well, town meeting day, that is coming up, of course, tomorrow. We're going to be talking with DPW Director Brian Osborne from Colchester, on the vote to bring municipal sewers to Mallets Bay. But my first guest today, joining me for an open phone line conversation. That means if you want to chime in this afternoon, please, by all means, join us at 244-1777 or toll free at 1-877-291-8255. Joining me in studio, GOP Party Chair for Vermont, Paul Dame. Good afternoon, Paul. Good to see you again. Always good to be with you, Charlie. And former Burlington rep uh, and city council president and mayoral candidate, maybe I'm rubbing in that in a little bit, Kurt Wright. Good good afternoon, Kurt. Thanks for joining us here on Travels with Charlie. Good afternoon, Charlie. You know this, this is my nap time, right? <laughs> yes, I understand that. You're now doing, man, we sort of traded places, you know. You're, you know, I'm into politics now, uh, Colchester Select Board, and uh, my understanding is you're doing a radio program somewhere. In fact, I might have even been a guest on that uh, earlier today. So, <laughs> so there is life after politics, Kurt. There is, although, you know, I just wish you had a contested race like I did. I was 25 years. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> How did you go with no contest? Well, you I know think... why? Because they knew they couldn't beat you. Well, uh, thank you for the uh, the compliment. Uh, certainly. 
you know, asking you to come on here, Kurt, uh, and it is a sore issue in some ways. You know, I asked, you know, Paul Dame along with yourself to come on here to, to talk about whether you want to call it instant runoff voting, or I think they're calling it ranked voting now. Am I right, to well, Paul? Every time it fails, they have to change the name so people <laughs> think it's something different. Well, can we give a little history lesson here, Kurt? And I, I and I, again, I apologize, but you are the poster child of why instant runoff voting doesn't work. Well, it was it was used in the race that I was in in 2009. It was first uh, implemented in the 2006 race, actually, in that Bob Kiss became mayor in. Um, Bob Kiss, Hinda Miller, and Kevin Curley, the Republican candidate. Uh, Bob, of course, was a progressive candidate. Hinda Miller, the Democrat. Um, and in that one, it didn't get as it, it didn't get controversial in the first race because. Kiss ended up with the most votes, and he ended up winning. But in the 2009 race, um, I ended up with the most votes in traditional voting. Yep. You know, that's what the first round of IRV or ranked choice voting is, is the traditional round of voting. Um, and then I continued to lead in the second round by about four or five percentage points over Bob. And then, you know, because then they drop candidates off. The fourth-place candidate goes, the third-place candidate goes, and the second-place votes get distributed. Um, and uh, I think it was on the fourth round of voting, of instant runoff voting, that Bob ended up passing me by about two, two and a half percent, something like that. But um, it really, it really, I don't look at that as about me. I, I mean, I didn't look back on sour grapes like I lost, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna always be speaking against the system. I wasn't a fan of the system to begin with. Um, and I just knew that it's what we had to deal with in that race. And I, frankly, I think that I got the most first place votes, which should count, which, which are those that should count the most first place votes because I didn't play the IRV game, which is that, you know, sit around worrying about what the other candidates, first place voters are going to do with their second place vote. And, uh, that's one of the fall, that's what, to me, that's one of the fallbacks of IRV ranked choice voting is, you candidates, it creates these homogenous, vanilla-type campaigns where people are afraid to alienate another candidate's second or third-place votes, and so they don't dare to take strong stands. Yeah, but secondly, um, Kurt, and, and Paul, bring you in on, on this as well. Paul Dame, uh, Vermont GOP chair and former Burlington rep, Kurt Wright with me this afternoon. You know, the big concern here is, as, as you're explaining it, I'm scratching my head. And, I, you know, I've been talking about this, you know, going way back with Burlington Mayor Pete Clavell. And I remember asking Pete this, the same question on my show. Pete, how does it work? And you remember this, Kurt. There was dead air. He didn't know how to explain it. And most people today, when you ask them about it, they, they really don't get what it is. And unfortunately, we've got, well, you know, you've got, you've got uh, Becca Ballant, uh, Kesha Ram, and Chris Pearson that are saying that, th- that it's a threat to our democracy. Uh, Paul, right. They're saying that the sky is falling in. Uh, our democracy is at risk and un- it is, is this under, you know, if we don't, the way that we can solve that is by passing ranked choice voting. Give me a break. Paul, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, is our democracy failing? Well, you know, that was one of the things that to me was very alarming about Peter Welch's announcement video. He talked about how our uh, democracy is imperiled. I'm thinking, well, if it's imperiled in Vermont, 
We've had Democrats have a supermajority of the House and Senate. So, <laughs> so what, what did you... they do to imperil our democracy? <laughs> what are you saying? And right? why should yeah. we trust them to fix it? Uh, I think, as, as Kurt mentioned, you know, uh, this practice has been tried in Burlington, of right. all places, which usually loves kooky new ideas, and they got rid of it. <laughs> they got rid of it. So that tells you it's too kooky for Burlington. Um, and, well, and, and, it, and it becomes a, a, an issue where, just like Kurt said, you sort of flatten everybody else. Everybody tries, sort of becomes indistinguishable from one another. And you don't have a real race with real choices. Right. Now, I sh- we should be fair in that Burlington did get rid of it. That's right. Burlington also has brought it back now. Um, voters in the last election a year ago put IRV back in place for city council races only. It has not yet been approved by the legislature, but voters did come back, and there wasn't a lot of attention paid to it as much as it should have been. And I predicted they were going to pass it last year, but to be fair, we, we kicked it out 10 years ago, and 10 years later it's it's back. What, what was the move uh, 10 years ago, Kurt, uh, when it was repealed? Do you recall? What was the? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What was the the push behind that? You know, people changed their minds that quickly on it. Was it simply because the you know it was brought out to them after that race uh, that you lost that you could see that it really doesn't work? Well, people didn't one didn't like the result of what they saw in the election um, and what they saw afterwards. But it also was just a it's the you know people were sold a bill of goods about IRV in Burlington when they first passed it. A lot of people voted in that election when it first got passed back in the early 2000s um, and told me, you know, I vote in every single election. I don't remember that being on the ballot, but it was. Yeah. And people voted on it. And they, a lot of them just, because it just wasn't enough attention paid to it. It's, it's really, IRV is a theoretical runoff. It, it's not a, you know, I'm all in favor of, People want to have a runoff. Have a real runoff. Well, that's right. They have, you have a real runoff, and the two candidates debate each other once again, and then you go back to the polls and you have another election. In this instance, you're trying to, again. You know, I'll try to explain it, but you 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 put your choices down. You know, first, second, and third, and maybe fourth and fifth, right? Yeah, I mean, and again, to go back to the ad for a minute, um, it's that one is so over the top, and that was put together by Vperg, Paul Burns at Vperg. And they got the three, you know, Chris Pearson, as you mentioned, and two candidates for Congress, Keisha Rahm and Becca Ballant. And they start out with this, this, you know, the scare tactic. And, and in Vermont, of all places, where we mail a ballot to every individual, whether they have, it's on the, it's on the, Checklist. Um, that's scary. Whether they ask for a ballot well, or not. To be not, fair, we don't mail a ballot, ballot to every individual. That, we mail a ballot to every address where somebody is registered, not necessarily every person. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not in favor of what we do in that, but nonetheless, because of the legislature and secretary of state condos, we do that. And the idea that in Vermont, you know, democracy is is at risk. So we we got to save it by passing ranked choice voting. Is just absurd, and at least ought to stick to the basic arguments instead of trying to scare everybody into the, the supporting this. Exactly, and, and to be clear, you know, Kurt Wright on with us uh, this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, former Burlington rep, former city council president. We'll get into some of the city council issues here in just a moment, and Vermont party chair uh, Paul Dame. This isn't a Burlington issue any longer. This is now a statewide issue. The, this is being proposed to go statewide. Now, in your instance, uh, Kurt, 
you had to hit a you have to hit a certain threshold, correct? Is it forty percent um, of the vote you need to get, otherwise you go into the uh, into the ranked choice? No, it's fifty percent. Fifty percent, okay. Forty percent so was, this, and in fact, it's still until the legislature changes it. Is the system that's forty percent triggers a real runoff in Burlington's current uh, voting laws. If you don't hit 40%, you have a runoff, but not a theoretical one on a piece of paper, a real runoff between the top two candidates. An actual runoff. Right. And, and, and you would say that that's the way that it should be. We should have an actual runoff, correct, if you don't meet a threshold? Yeah, I think that for the system Burlington has, like, if you want to avoid somebody winning and you have five, six candidates and maybe the candidate wins with 29% or something, if you want to avoid that, okay, I think 40% is, is actually a reasonable threshold. Yeah. I, uh, if we had to worry about 50%, I mean, you know, we'd have to. If we, and if it, that was in place throughout history, well, maybe John F. Kennedy never would have been president because he got like forty-nine point seven percent. Maybe Abraham Lincoln never would have been president. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Never Kurt, would have been elected. Kurt, I'm going to go out on a limb here. We're going to take a break in, in just a moment, but uh, on the other side. Phone lines are open at 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. Uh, I don't have anything in my prize closet here at uh, WDEV, but uh, if anybody calls uh, between now and the bottom of the hour when we wrap up this segment and can explain instant runoff voting without putting the three of us to sleep or the listeners to sleep, I will give you a prize of some sort. Uh, Corm, we can find something here. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of tchotchkes hanging in the studio here. I'm sure I can give you something. If uh, I got a half a bottle of Diet Coke, <laughs> whatever. Uh, if you can explain it, uh, I'll make it worth your while. I would love to hear an explanation that can explain it, and we can nod our heads and go, oh, yeah, now I get it. So we'll be right back after this break with uh, my guest this afternoon, Vermont Party Chair Paul Dame and former Burlington Rep Kurt Wright, right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on my travels throughout Vermont, I know where to stop for a fill-up, fresh-made sandwiches, snacks, hot coffee, or an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Jolly convenience stores. With over 40 in our area, there's always one nearby. And they're more than a quick stop. Proudly supporting local charities, community events, and our military. Jolly convenience stores. Home of the Daily Smile. Even behind that mask. Stop by today. You'll be glad you did. Well, that one's too easy, Corm. I'm a big fan of Bruce Springsteen. That's Thunder Road. And interestingly enough, the home of Thunder Road right here at WDEV with Ken Squire. Uh, welcome back to Travels with Charlie. Now, during uh, before the break, I said I would uh, we, we're going to search for a prize. If you can explain instant runoff voting, ranked voting, we'd find something. And and Corm is so confident that he's not going to have to give this away. In fact, uh, you know, I could say you can have my car. It's not going to happen. But Corm has a fifty dollar Vermont flannel gift card. If you can explain instant runoff voting, and you have to do it coherently and do it quickly, if you can explain it, we will give you a $50 Vermont flannel gift card. Call 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255 as we continue our conversation about ranked choice voting. But let's get on to some other issues with uh, Paul Dame and Kurt Wright. Now uh, communities are talking about giving voting rights to 16-year-olds, boy, there's one, you're really scratching your head, and non-citizens. I feel like we're living in a bizarro world. Paul, you first. 
Yeah, uh, well, uh, this is something that uh, the Republican National Committee and the and uh, the former chair of the Vermont State Party has uh, taken uh, Montpelier and Winooski uh, to court to prevent non-citizen voting. Um, you know, this is really a personal issue for me because my wife uh, was a green card holder for over 10 years, just barely became a citizen last year. It's not a difficult process if you're here legally. Um, there's a, a, a fee you pay. A test you take, and we started the process January 2nd, and by April 12th, I think, she had her citizenship. So I think the the focus should be helping people who are residents become full citizens. What's happening in Winooski is they need to create a separate list of all the people in Winooski that want to vote that aren't citizens. And to me, that could be a very dangerous list, right? You have all the people in town who aren't legal citizens. Uh, all in one place. It's got to be a public record if it's a voter roll. Um, that there creates a lot of problems creating this two-tiered system. There is a way for people who have come to Vermont, have made Vermont their home, to vote in every election, not just municipal elections. And that process is citizenship, and that's what we should be encouraging. The Vermont Constitution says citizens in it. The same thing with uh, the age 18. It's uh, that's the age of majority. That's when you become an adult. Now, they wouldn't be voting on, on statewide issues. They would just be voting in their local communities. Well, that's the tricky thing because yeah. when a town passes uh, an education bill – or, uh, sorry, a, a school budget, yeah. the way we do our school taxes here in Vermont is it all gets put into this one big pool and the money kind of gets mixed around. So when somebody in one town votes to increase their school budget 15%, Everybody else around the state picks up a little piece of the tab. So people who are not citizens in Winooski can end up affecting the property taxes of somebody in Barton. Do you see any downside to 16-year-olds voting, Kurt? And I'm asking that in a a serious uh, manner here. Uh, um, You know, not to knock 16-year-olds, but... Um, I used to be one. Well, yes. <laughs> I wouldn't well, have let myself I, vote when I was 16. <laughs> what, what's next? Of course, I mean, on the news the other night, they were asking some 16-year-olds, and gosh, gosh almighty, they were in favor of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I mean, what's next? If you make it 16, then the next move will be let's make it, I don't know, 12, 13, whatever. It's, it's you know, at the same time that the legislature has been moving to pass bills so that um, if somebody commits a crime, certain crimes, and they're 18, 19 years old, 20, they want to make it all the way up to 22 that they have, they would be they would be sent off to family court yeah. instead of going to real court because I mean you know family court being different different things come out of that um, and why because they've said their brains are not fully developed. Uh, some of these things. Well, let me stop so, you right there. The okay, so they want to say, okay, but now let's let 16-year-olds vote. And imagine uh, now you've got a, a, a municipal vote, and it's on the school budget. And now all of a sudden, all these students in you know 10th, 11th, 12th grade are going to vote on the school budget, and all this stuff, the fossilization that goes on in the schools. Like, if you don't support the school budget, right. of course, we're probably going to have to cut your sports. Or, you know that your favorite teacher? Well, we may just have to fire her. Yeah. But, you know, the point is, Kurt, you can't have it both ways. If, if you're an adult, 
uh, and you commit a crime at 19, but you want to be treated like you're 16 years old, but you're 16 and you want to vote like an 18-year-old, you, you can't have it. I mean, do either one of you have, and our listeners as well, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255 if you want that $50 Vermont flannel gift card, still hanging on to it. Why, you know, why the reason, you know, what's the push here? I mean, who would gain from this other than, you know, in my thinking, it's, uh, you know, the, why are the Dems and the Progs pushing this? Because well, they can. you'd have to ask uh, them, but I think that they probably, they might say, you know, young people are in favor of climate change, uh, reform of climate change and all the re- climate change reforms, and that's their future, and they don't get to vote on it until they're 18, and we, so we should extend the vote to them when, you know, earlier well, in their Well, if you want to make that argument, let's go to 13, because, uh, you know, a 13-year-old eventually is going to be uh, 17 or 18 or 19 years old. Things that happen today, are go- my argument would be, well, when you're 18, run for office. You know, get involved. Make change. You know, vote, vote, Paul. Yeah, I, I think there we, we've got to have a, a cutoff somewhere. We need uniform standards, and 18 has been what we've used for for years, and that's what seems seems appropriate at the time. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Dale from Burlington. Uh, Dale, do you have? Uh, and you can't be reading from uh, from a dictionary or an encyclopedia or Google. I want to hear in your own words. Instant runoff voting for the $50 gift card to Vermont Flannel. Go ahead, Dale. Good afternoon on Travels with Charlie. My mind has not developed that far in advance to be able to do that, actually. <laughs> You're only 15, Dale? Is that? Is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start leading in and how my first IRV ballot was spoiled. I had three choices, Curly, Kiss, and Jog Bra. There was no way that I could ever pen in Kiss or Jog Bra. And you're referring, to, you're referring to Hinda Miller when you say Jog Bra. Yes, Just, okay, yes, okay. yes. And so I could never vote for those two, although I probably could have voted for Hinda at some point. But, but so I couldn't vote for those two, so, so I penned in Curly twice that way. It spoiled my ballot, but I didn't care because I would be damned that I would vote for somebody that I didn't want to vote for. That's a good point because people who only have one choice are deprived of their right to vote right. in the second round. Right. Right. If you if you have three or four or five candidates, and you know, there's only one person that I really support. That's who I support. That's my first round choice. And then they don't make the cut. Uh, your vote gets taken away. And you don't get to participate if you had a traditional runoff like they did in Georgia, right? I didn't hear any of the Democrats complaining of the Georgia Senate race that, you know what we really needed to do in that race? We, we should not have had this runoff race. What we should have done was instant runoff voting. None of the Democrats yeah. were asking for that because it didn't help them in the state of Georgia. So, Dale, you basically explained uh, how, uh, you know, why you how don't like vote. it, but you, but you haven't explained exactly how okay. it here works. Here we go. Oh, well, you got to make okay. it quick here because we got to move on. You know, you can try. We're going to go to the. We're going to go to the second round where we had five candidates, including one of the guys that you're talking with. All right. Yeah. You've got five five candidates. You vote the first time. Everybody votes for their five or whatever they're voting for. If the first person does not get fifty percent, then 
it goes to the second round. And the second choice, or the, actually the lowest vote getter is dropped off for that second round. Votes are redistributed into that round. Dale, my head is spinning. Uh, I gotta let you go. <laughs> you know, good try, but you're not getting the Vermont flannel gift card. Corm's going, he's you know, just wiping his brow right now. Thanks for your call, Dale. Great to hear from you. Uh, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. I knew nobody could uh, explain it. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, our midterms that we got coming up here. You know, when Senator Pat Leahy announced that uh, not seeking re-election, that created lots of opportunities. Man, everybody came out of the woodwork. We got Kesha, Molly, and Becca. They want Peter Welch's seat. Peter says, okay, I'm going to run for the Senate, sort of in, in, in an ordained kind of way. That yeah. just kind of happens. And, um, and some th- think that, uh, Molly should stay as lieutenant governor, uh, too soon for that office. And then we had David Zuckerman, who I thought was done. He's going to work on the farm and, and he announces and, Lo and behold, just recently, uh, uh, former U.S. Uh, Attorney Christina Nolan announced yeah. that her candidacy for the Senate. So some some big changes here. Paul, let's talk about what's going on in uh, the midterms. Yeah, well, I think that that's the one thing that you can really take a look at is when Leahy decided to move on, it, it opened a lot of other seats because Democrats – uh, young, especially younger Democrats who wanted to get involved didn't have a place. They keep getting told, wait your turn, wait your turn, it's not your turn. The establishment is in here and you're going to have to wait until they create an opening. And once they did, there's a big scramble. Uh, we're seeing that, uh, I also think that Democrats are looking at this midterm, looking at even in Vermont. Joe Biden's approval numbers are about even. Yeah. This is a guy that won the state over 60% and now he's at like 48%. In, uh, you know, in just over, uh, just over a year. So Democrats realize, hey, you know, pretty soon the spigot is going to get shut off with all this federal money related to COVID. It's going to be a lot tougher to govern in the year ahead. Um, and they're, they're realizing it's, it's a good time to move on. That creates a lot of opportunities for Republicans who have been looking to make the kinds of changes that we need to in this state. I'd like to touch on gender and race for just a moment with, uh, with both of you, because that seems to be uh, an important point, uh, in some instances, if somebody wants to make that point, and specifically for the House race. The uh, Democrats say it's time for a woman to have that House seat. So, so Peter moves up to the Senate. But it's not time for a woman uh, in the Senate race. Uh, Kurt, what do you make of all of this? Well, it exposes the groups who always say we must have a woman. I mean, it's going to. As What they really mean is it must be a liberal Democratic woman. I mean, it can't be just <laughs> a, a woman. It's got to be someone that fits their description of the candidate they want. Um, some of these groups emerge, et cetera. They used to sell themselves on, they were just pushing for women candidates, but of course they never supported a Republican female. So it's, it's uh, the fact that Christina Nolan is running for United States Senate um, is going to make that narrative a little bit trickier for mm-hmm. them. Uh, Christina Nolan is a great candidate. She is an incredibly smart woman, did a fantastic job, in my opinion, as Vermont's first female U.S. attorney. Um, and here's going to be the, the, the trick, the hard part for Christina, and we'll see if she can pull it off. She's a tremendous candidate. But you start with the fact that Vermont is, Biden's numbers are down, even in Vermont, as Paul said, but we still you know, can't deny that we are a very, very, very blue liberal state. And so she's going to get tagged with 
how can you elect any Republican who, with a 50-50 Senate right now, um, if you elect a Republican, then that's going to potentially turn the Senate over to Republicans and Mitch McConnell. Yeah, will that, be- and that's the card that will be played. Paul, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Uh, Paul, the uh, Vermont GOP chair. Well, I, I think Vermonters, most Vermonters are independents. I mean, all the all the numbers that we've looked at internally at the party indicate that independents outnumber Republicans, they outnumber Democrats. And I think that as, especially uh, in this election cycle, independents are taking a much closer look at the Democratic Party and realizing, you know, so what if we've got Chuck Schumer in there? Is he really doing a better job for us? Um Maybe we, maybe we were better off with uh, with Mitch McConnell, and uh, but but at the end of the day, Vermonters tend to vote for the person over the party, and I think Christina is the kind of candidate who can win over those independents. I mean, I heard her speak at a an event down in Rutland, and she has a message that that I think is really unique that I haven't heard from Vermont Republicans before that can really get Republicans excited, but is also going to be perfect. If it doesn't change one bit going into the general election, Peter Welch has not done the same thing. He has played far to the left. He's making himself into this wild progressive, which is not how he first got elected to Washington. That's not who he was. He was more of a middle-of-the-road, moderate, kind of quiet guy. He's making himself to be to the left of Bernie. And I think that's going to be harder for him to recorrect and come back to the middle in in the general election. And I think that's going to give Christina a bigger advantage because she's going to be more consistent than Welch be. You, you, you watch Welch from now until until October, he's going to change. Got just a couple of minutes left. Uh, Kurt, I'd like to let's talk a little bit uh, Burlington politics with you, if we could. Uh, um, you know, we've seen the deep fund police movement, what that's done to, to Burlington. I think down to 54 police officers, if I'm not mistaken, should, a high of 79 at one time. Um, you've got a chance to restore some balance in city council tomorrow at uh, town meeting day or not? Well, the high that Burlington officers had actually was more like around 100, Charlie. Um, and uh, we are down 65 sworn officers, but that's a lot less when you talk about the officers that actually can be out on the street. Uh, and it's going to continue to sink. It's going to continue to erode. Uh, we know that. So, we need change on the city council, in my opinion, and I hope a lot of other people's, but the races to focus on tomorrow are in wards one, ward eight, and ward seven. Those are the, those are the biggest races that are in play, and that's, uh, ward eight is the student ward, ward one is the ward around the hospital and all those streets, Brooks Avenue, Henry, uh, Brooks, Henry, all those streets, North, North Street, on the upper tier. And Ward 7 is the new North End Ward with Ollie, with Ollie Jang and uh, the challenger Alex Stiff and then a progressive independent back, or independent progressive back candidate Olivia Taylor. Those are the areas, um, where you, we're going to watch and see if the policing issue has turned into a big issue as we hope. And also, can the progressives mobilize the student vote, uh, up there in Wards 1 and 8? in a year when there's no presidential primary and no mayor's race and nothing really driving them to come out and vote. Right. Well, we shall see, of course, and a little early to to predict anything uh, in the midterm. Certainly, we'll, Paul, we'll have you back in a future program to talk a little bit more about that, as well as we'll have some of the candidates here on uh, Travels with Charlie. Kurt Wright, I know you got to get back to uh, it's nap time. you got to get up early in the morning. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining me today, Kurt. Thanks, Charlie. 
All right, so. good talking with you. And uh, Paul Dame, Vermont Party Chair. We did not give away the $50 gift card to Vermont Flannel. So we'll hang on to it maybe for the next show. Uh, coming up, well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, DPW Director from Colchester, Brian Osborne, joins me on the upcoming sewer vote in Colchester. That's straight ahead right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millnetravel.com. Oh, you're testing me now, Corm. I know the song. I'm humming it to myself. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Give me a little more time. Your host, Charlie Papillo here, playing Name That Tune with Corm. Eight miles high. All right, we got it. Welcome back. Well, tomorrow is uh, town meeting day across Vermont. Uh, budgets, many ballot items are going to be uh, decided whether or not uh, Colchester will install a municipal sewer system in the area of Mallets Bay. That is one of the things on the ballot in Colchester. Full disclosure, I'm a member of the select board. I approve the proposal. Joining me on phone line here today, Brian Osborne, the DPW director. Brian, thank you for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. So, Brian, this is the third time that Colchester will have an opportunity to vote on this. Let me ask you, what's the difference this time between just not that long ago, 2019, when it went down with a very slim margin? Yeah, the, the big difference is the funding package, Charlie. Uh, the two prior times that this was brought to the voters, it had at least some level of town-wide funding in it. Uh, we've heard messages from the voters in these past two attempts loud and clear that they did not want to see any town-wide tax funds used in the project. So we've structured a project that relies heavily on grants and with the remaining amount to be paid for only by the users that will actually be connected to the system. So the big uh, difference this time, as you pointed out, that local option tax not being used, uh, primarily, you know, a, a good push from uh, these ARPA funds, which, uh, you know, bringing it into statewide, a lot of communities will be voting on issues that will involve ARPA funds. As, as we hear, it's a use it or lose it uh, a scenario, and I know that you know you've gotten some emails on that going. Well, how can that be? If you don't, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. That can't be. We can find something else. But could you explain why those funds are limited in use and why they fit the sewer project so well? Yeah, they are limited to specific types of infrastructure: broadband, water, and sewer or stormwater. Uh, they do have to be obligated by December 31st of 2024. Obligated is defined by actually uh, under contract for construction. And when we look at this particular project, it will take probably two years to get this project to construction if it's actually approved by the voters, which allows us to get those funds obligated prior to uh, prior to December 31st of 2024. Any further delay of the project 
would push us beyond that eligibility time frame. Uh, we have no other projects that would be eligible under ARPA that are far enough along that we could get the funds obligated prior to that December 31st, 2024 date. Right. So you would lose it. By the way, uh, DPW Director Brian Osborne with me on uh, Travels with Charlie. We're talking about the Colchester sewer vote coming up tomorrow, town meeting day. If you have a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. 244-1777-1877-291-8255. Brian, let's, let's talk about, um, some of the issues that, uh, you know, come up all the time in the opposition out there saying that it's going to clean up 8% of human waste. Uh, there's, there's more than just uh, human waste in the Bay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because that 8% would be cleaned up 100%, would it not? It would, Charlie. Uh, the, the municipal sewer project would be very effective of addressing the human waste bacteria in Mallets Bay that is coming from the inadequate septic systems in the Bay. The rest of the E. coli bacteria is non-human, so it's domestic animals and it's wild animals. And while there's a few things that we can do, distribution of pet waste bags, public education, things of that nature, we really can't influence or affect the non-human-based E. coli. Uh, you know, I mean, the only way we can realistically do that is to remove every animal from the entire watershed, both domestic and wild. So this is something that's not just uh, pertinent to, to Mallets Bay and Colchester. We've got, you know, wild animals all across the state of Vermont, all across the, the you know, the United States. So this is something that is constantly uh, has to be looked at. And can you tell me what has Colchester done to, you know, besides, uh, you know, litter bags and the like, you know, what else is being done to, to mitigate this? Yeah, we have a lot of public education and outreach. Uh, we belong to a regional organization called Rethink Runoff, which is a media campaign that sends information out to the region, including our town, on how people can, can better manage that. We regularly remove uh, waste from birds and geese along our beaches and put up uh, deterrent systems to try to keep the geese away from these areas. Uh, beyond that, there isn't a whole lot that we can do to address that particular type of um, waste bacteria coming from animals. Right. So these are things that are being done right along. But, uh, you know, even if we could get rid of all of that, without a municipal sewer system in Colchester, you would still have 8% human waste in the Bay. Yeah. And, you know, our feeling is that I mean, there's, as you know, there's been a lot of discussion of whether it's 8%, 10%, 20%, whatever. From our perspective, any amount of human waste in the Mallets Bay where our citizens and their children are swimming and recreating is too much, particularly when we have a very effective way of removing that human waste from the bacteria with a, with an environmental abatement project that's funded 64% by grants and the remaining portion 
funded by low-interest, long-term loans from the state of Vermont, which would be paid back only by the 289 properties within the proposed service area. And every other single property in the entire community would pay absolutely nothing for this project. Brian Osborne, DPW uh, Director from Colchester, with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. We're talking about uh, vote tomorrow in Colchester for a sewer system, a municipal sewer system in the Bay. It would affect 289 homes. Your thoughts, your comments, 244-1777, Brian, as I mentioned, that's 289 homes affected by it. Uh, if you could go into a little more detail about the septic systems that are there, the current ones that are there, because some people say, well, why are you forcing them to hook up to a municipal sewer system? All they have to do is just put in a septic system like I have in my backyard. Why doesn't it work along the bay? Yeah. So there are really, you know, to, to use an on-site wastewater system, you need two things. You need a properly designed and constructed septic system, and you also need suitable site conditions for that system to function properly. If you remove either one of those, uh, you're going to have a problem. And the, the real problem that we have in Mallets Bay is we do not have adequate sites to support a properly functioning septic system. They all have significant environmental constraints related to inadequate space, uh, poor soils, insufficient depth of bedrock and groundwater, things of that nature, being too close to the lake. So even when you put in a good septic system, it will not function properly because the site constraints will not allow it. To compound the problem, uh, current state law allows property owners to replace failed septic systems with what are referred to as best fit systems, which means they don't fully comply to state regulations. Um, and they can't because of the site constraints. So the end result is we have a failure rate in this relatively small area of three to four times higher than any other area of Colchester. And, 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 and Brian, some of these best fit situations can be, I've, I've heard described as simple as a, a 50 gallon drum in the ground. Am I correct on that? Yeah, some of the some of the real old systems were, were nothing more than that. You know, and those systems, Charlie, uh, date back many, many years. We have to keep in mind that um, the permitting of septic systems and any associated regulations didn't occur in Vermont until the mid-60s. And so, you know, the original systems there predated that. So they could be anything from a metal drum in the ground to just a pipe draining into the ground itself. Um, you know, wind the clock forward, uh, people, you know, put in very advanced treatment systems, some of which might be upwards of $40,000, yet because of the site constraints, we find that those fail in some cases repeatedly. Let's go to the phone lines, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255 for DPW Director Brian Osborne. Jeff, you're next with uh, with Brian on Travels with Charlie. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Charlie. This is Jeff Bartley, your uh, predecessor on the Colchester Select Board. Yes, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for joining us here. 
Hey, thanks for having me. I just want a couple of things. Just want to point out that you know this is a incredibly important project for the future um, of Colchester, not just uh, protecting the environment, but uh, you know, I view it as our moral obligation um, to protect Mallets Bay uh, for future generations. Um, there's a, a large group of us. We have about 250 members of Colchester for Clean Water who have been working really hard to disseminate correct information uh, on this on this project, trying to encourage yes vote. Uh, we really want people to turn out tomorrow and vote uh, yes for this is article number seven. And I also want to give a huge shout out to Brian Osborne, Aaron Frank, uh, Kathy Walker O'Reilly, the entire team, Renee, over at the town offices who have been answering questions left and right 24-7. Um, I, I heard a rumor that they may have been in the office yesterday trying to answer some last-minute questions. And uh, they have always had the best um, intentions. They've kept an eye out protecting Colchester. And this is just one more step in the right direction. So we encourage people to visit our website at colchesterforcleanwater.com, learn the facts, uh, and get out and vote tomorrow. Vote yes for sewers in Mallets Bay. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for your call this uh, this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Brian Osborne with me. Brian, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, one of the issues that uh, some people are, are not familiar with is that this, if you are one of those 289 homes affected uh, by this uh, this vote, you would not have to pay for decommissioning of your existing septic system or hooking up to the sewer, correct? That, that's absolutely right, Charlie. There will be no uh, connection fees or cost associated with decommissioning the on-site systems. The project will pay for the installation of the private service laterals, including any internal electrical or plumbing work that may be necessary, and as well will pay for the decommissioning of the existing on-site systems. And that's that's pretty unusual. I mean, the, the typical project, um, you know, would, would typically come along with uh, a requirement that the property owners have to bear all those costs. And uh, I, I know of a, um, a project that took place um, uh, you know, with my where my brother lives, and uh, he was required to connect to the system, and it cost him ten thousand dollars to put in the private service lateral to connect to the new sewer system. So that's the typical approach. It can be a substantial cost from the property owner. Uh, we wanted to try to make this as affordable as possible to the property owners, and so we incorporated all those cost into the project so that the property owner would not have to pay them. Brian, one of the uh, tactics that uh, opposition is using is, in, in my opinion, trying to scare people that if this passes, we're going to see hotels, we're going to see restaurants, we're going to see development along the lakeshore in Colchester, along the Bay Area, that we've never seen before, and it'll be an unprecedented number that uh, that will be happening. Can you explain why that will not happen? Sure. A 1% 5% for... Um, Brian, Brian we just lost you for a moment there. I think somebody's trying to call you and you're, you're beeping. Uh, start, start over from... The, yeah, start from the sure. beginning again. Yeah. Sure. We're projecting really uh, low and slow growth for Mallets Bay, about 1% annually. There are a number of factors that are going to significantly restrict growth. Zoning won't allow significant growth. Districts won't allow uh, significant growth. We have very limited treatment capacity. Uh, the system itself is not designed uh, for any significant growth. Uh, after we connect all the existing properties that are there, we'll only have about 20,000 gallons of capacity 
for any remaining infill and redevelopment. So there will be a number of factors that really limit the amount of growth that could actually occur there. Right. So it's not going to happen. And, and, and judging by um, the, the beeps on your phone there, <laughs> I know you're very busy. we got one more day. It's a town meeting day tomorrow. Get on out and vote. Uh, DPW Director Brian Osborne. Brian, you've probably still got some emails to answer and some, some phone calls, so we're going to let you go. Uh, thank you for all of your hard work along with everybody at, uh, at Town Hall, and uh, we'll, we'll be chatting with you soon. Thanks, Brian. Okay, great, Charlie. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, coming up, we'll uh, take a quick break, and um, my executive producer, Brad Ferland, is going to be joining me here for the last uh, few minutes of uh, Travels with Charlie. we got some, uh, some things to talk about coming up on future programs, Travels with Charlie, right here on WDEV. Welcome back, Travels with Charlie. This Thunder Island is the name of the song. I forget the group. I don't win the $50 gift card to Vermont. Jay Atlanta. Ferguson. Jay Ferguson. All right. Uh, there you go. Thank you, Gorm. And welcome back to Travels with Charlie as uh, we take it up to the top of the hour. And uh, CBS News uh, coming your way momentarily. But uh, my executive producer, Brad Ferland, joining me in studio. Brad, last time you were on, we talked about this opioid uh, opiate drug summit that uh, you had put together. And that happened just a couple of weeks ago. And I'll tell you. What a turnout! Yeah, it was it was great, Charlie, and thank you for uh, being our MC for that and keeping the train running. But it was an emotional ride, and we heard uh, we heard the real world uh, talking about about the issue. You know, one of the things that really stood out for me, and you're going to be doing a few more of these, correct? Correct. Yeah. One of the things that really stood out for me, the number of people that you had speaking there that were in recovery, and were heads of recovery uh, centers or, or or working for the state. I mean, just amazing a testimonial. Yeah, it was um, people in recovery it, who have been in the streets or on the streets or in the ditches. Uh, they just they know the real world, and you know, in a world of bureaucracy, um, we don't get things done. Um, but when you get sort of the real deal in, and I mean, bureaucracies get things done, but um, these are these are people with their heart in the whole uh, issue. Now, is there going to be an opportunity for people to see? I know that was uh, it was taped. Uh, it was also Zoom uh, for uh, telecast. But is there an opportunity for people to see any of that? Yeah, there is. There there will be. We'll be issuing a link um, to it. It's about an hour and a half, as you remember. And um, to give people a little bit of teaser, we had a flash mob kind of thing at the event. That was um, amazing. I'll was, tell you, and you know what? That that caught everybody off guard. There were a, a number of, uh, well, it was a choir from uh, from Teen Challenge, yep. men's and women's choir. Had to be about 30 people in that room, and they were all hidden behind. Nobody saw them. They're all seating down, and, and I open up, and, you know, good afternoon and welcome, and all of a sudden they stand up, and they started singing Amazing Grace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the room was silent. They had no idea what's going on. Well, the room was silent, and I watched uh, tears coming from people's eyes, and, yeah. it, and it really, um, for us, it set the tone for something that's a serious issue. Absolutely. Um, 
but also it's an issue that there's hope around as well. Well, you did a great job putting that one together. Looking forward to, to more coming up, and uh, we'll keep everybody informed here on Travels with Charlie. By the way, coming up on our next program, March 14th, it's going to be Open Mic with Mike. Remember Mike Smith used to do a radio program here? He's going to be joining me back on March 14th along with Senate candidate Christina Nolan joining me right here on Travels with Charlie. Y'all have a great day. Travels with Charlie is sponsored by Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, and Milne Travel American Express theme song written and performed by Billy Bratcher. My executive producer is Brad Ferland Corm on the other side, and I'm Charlie Papillo. I'll see you in my travels.